0: I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Dogman Radio, it has been a while, so we thought we would just uh, catch up with what's going on with uh, recruits on campus, a new commitment here the last couple of days, and uh, just basically catching up. We haven't had a chance to do this in a while, so entering into June, which is typically our slow month, but uh might not be as slow as we're used to. But Scott, big day yesterday with the commitment from Mark Nabu out of O'Day.
1: Yeah, big kid, They're six four, three hundred and eleven 6'4", 311 pounds, continues that, um, you know, that pipeline that Washington has established over the past, I'd say, what, 5 to 10 years of bringing in the best that O'Day has to offer and, and, uh, and turning them into really good players. They got Owen Prentice in the last 2021 class and, um, kind of just follows right along that line. He might actually have a higher upside than, than, uh Owen Prentice if he's able to develop he he really needs to trim down a little bit i think he's a little heavier than, than the coaches would like him but you know there's guys that show up as true freshmen and they have to reshape their bodies he's going to probably be one of those guys but very light on his feet can pull Very, uh, aggressive in the way that he blocks as a run blocker. His, his struggles, and it's like this for pretty much anybody who's in a run oriented offense is he's gonna have to take a year, maybe two years to learn how to pass block efficiently. And I think he can do it. He's got the talent. He's got the skills. He's got the light feet, the, the length of body and all that that you want, but He's got some some things he needs to work on, just like everybody does. Had offers from Oregon State, Arizona State, UNLV, and Nevada, and was getting looked at by a lot more uh, Power 5 programs, Boise State, BYU. They were all looking at him as well. But Washington was where he wanted to go all along. I predicted him, I think, just a day or two after he got his offer from the University of Washington and uh, never wavered from that, and he proved me right.
0: Why is it that every time I look at him, I think he's a defensive lineman? I mean, is. Well, he plays
1: both. He plays both. Yeah. Irish, but, you know, I, I think just it's cause he's, he looks a little squatty in the way that he's, he's proportioned and things like that. But I think the Husky football, uh, or the, uh, strength and conditioning coaches are going to really get a hold of him and, and do some work, get, get him shaped a little bit better. And, and I think you'll, you'll be happy with what you see of him once he is ready to hit the field. Maybe give us a little bit of a scouting report, Scott well I, I mean he's just he's a real good run blocker um, very aggressive uh, can fire off um, quick out of his stance uh, can can drive block has really light feet so he can he there there were a couple of on his highlights and once again they're highlights so you know it's gonna be his best place but you can see him pull get out, get to the second level. Uh, he really blasts guys when he gets out there. He's got the athleticism to hit smaller guys like uh, corners and safeties. Um, but like I said, he's going to need to be have some patience when it comes to learning how to pass block because that just is something that O'Day doesn't do very often.
0: And, Chris, one of the things that is just I'm just kind of surprised that people don't get what's going on in recruiting right now. We've been doing this for 20 years, you know, 20 plus years and following recruiting. And, you know, with the pandemic and the lack of high school games, there's never been a recruiting cycle either last year or this year where ratings and evaluations have just been so far up in the air because of the lack of game film and the lack of camps that they've been able to attend. And, you know, maybe just a little bit of an overview on just how this is impacting, you know, the rankings out there, because there's just not a lot of game film on a lot of these guys.
2: Well, I think you pretty much just said it right there, Kim. I mean, and and to be honest, guys like Brandon and uh, Brandon Huffman, Greg Biggins, um, Blair Angulo, those those guys would be the ones to really talk to about how it's super impacting um their ability to to fairly and 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 uh, objectively kind of go after this stuff because you want to see not only do you want to watch as much tape as you can, but you want to really see these guys in person. I mean, that's where it really tells the tale. And um, you know, fortunately you know in the state of washington they were able to get some games in and whatnot and and that was good but it certainly wasn't anywhere near the level that you would want to be comfortable at as an evaluator at a power five school trying to really determine you know what these guys are going to be like in a couple of years um you know the one thing though when you watch a f- the film of a guy like mark naboo it, it's really really interesting because yes He's got all those things that you look for in an interior guy, but he still played right tackle for O'Day. He's still the best lineman in that group, just like Owen Prentice was the best lineman in O'Day's group last year. So to continue that pipeline is important. But if you go off the very, very first highlight, seriously, the very first highlight of his highlight tape, he's, (laughs) he's pulling as a right tackle inside, pancakes a guy inside, and also happens to, to, to get up and is the first lineman down the field trailing the play. When now, when you're six, three, six, four, and you're 300 plus pounds, and like Scott said, probably needs to trim off a little bit of the timber. You know, he's probably not where they need him to be, you know, for next year, for instance. I'm sure that I mean, once they get him in the strength and conditioning program, they're going to, they're, they're going to really, uh, you know, get him where they want him. Um, that kind of hustle and that kind of just, hey, we're playing until the end of the whistle, the echo of the whistle and all that stuff, that's important stuff to to watch. Those are the intangible things that will separate a certain lineman from the rest of the guys that happen to have the same height and weight as a particular player, looking at a particular position. So even though he's he's going inside, he's a right tackle that plays in a run-heavy offense that, as Scott mentioned, really knows how to run block and, and does all those things really, really well. But he's also showing a lot of those intangibles that maybe, yeah, they'll show up on film sometimes. But again, when you see it in person, that's where it really, really starts to kind of spark in the brain. Like this guy might be a little bit different than the rest. And that's what I really liked, watching the film of a guy like Mark Naboo, for instance. And and you're right. I mean, when a team in Washington, for instance, only gets to play a handful of games, whereas, you know, Players in the South were playing full schedules. Players in California were hardly playing at all. Um, it really does impact how things
1: are, are rated and ranked for this
0: year, for sure. Hey Scott, what is there? Five offensive linemen in state that have, that were offered.
1: Yes, they they've offered. Uh, so the guys that Washington had offered were Josh Connerly, the big time top recruit in the state from Rainier Beach, offensive tackle. You have Malik Agbo from, uh, Beamer, Todd Beamer High School in Federal Way. You had Pugh Dave Aiuli. You had, uh, Mark Naboo, obviously, and then you have Graham Kapowson's, uh, Vega Ijuane. Um, and almost all those guys have played tackle. Um, but all but Connerly are likely ending up inside, uh, once they get to college and with uh,
0: Parker Brailsford committing a couple of weeks ago that's two offensive linemen expected to take four is that the number you're anticipating
1: yeah i think at the beginning of the cycle washington only expected to take three and um but i think they're what they're hedging their bets that there might be some attrition before the start of the season maybe after the end of the uh 2021 season maybe a guy who's got some time still left uh that he could and and maybe he leaves and so they want to replace him so I think they're going to take uh three guys and then throw all of their chips in on Josh Connerly um and see what they can do Connerly would be the fourth guy I don't know if they would take a fourth guy unless it's Uh, Josh Connerly, so they might just end up taking three if they don't get Connerly, but I think they've got a great shot to get Connerly, so I think they're going to end up with four when it's all said and done.
0: And just a quick note for the transfer portal to be able to be eligible for Fall and winter sports, you have to enter the portal no later than July 1. So that's the deadline for entering the transfer portal if you plan on playing this year. But, you know, they've already taken two. You say one more, Scott, and then all in on Connerly. You know, with Connerly obviously being the top guy there, can you take the other four offensive linemen in state and just grab them out of the hat? Are they all about the same, or is there a distinctive pecking order on them? I don't
1: want to say they're all about the same. I if if you're asking me, my pecking order was Connerly, uh, Dave Ayuli, and then the other three you could kind of group together: Malik Agbo, Naboo, and Vega Iwane. I think Iwane actually has a has a really nice upside because he just hasn't played that much football and um he really blew people away with the way he handled things uh last summer or i'm sorry two summers ago and washington was the first school to offer him and they just really they really seem to like the, that he's just a raw you know piece of clay for them to mold in, in the way they want to uh use him so um but as far as the rest of the pecking order that's how I would see it but Brandon Huffman has come on and said it's basically Connerly and then all the other four guys and you know Brandon's been doing this for a lot longer than I've been doing it and he's got all that experience so I'm going to default to him but or defer to him but uh if if you were asking me what my my pecking order was it would be uh Connerly Ayuli and then the other three
0: what do they do if uh, noon today the coaches get two phone calls from two of those guys and they both want to commit? What do they do? Uh, and one of them is not Josh Connerly. They, yeah, well, they hold off.
1: <laughs> they hold them off. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah.
0: No, so. you play.
2: You play the game. I mean, you you have to. I mean, you, the, the bottom line, Kim, is that I, I'm pretty sure that these guys already kind of understand where they're at, and that's why you see some of these other players looking outside the region you know, looking at places like Oklahoma, for instance, or wherever. And that's, that's, that's how you have to do it. It's a two way street. And the bottom line is the only time when offers are truly committable is when you get them. After that first day, it's like, it's like taking the car off the showroom floor, right? The day after you, you, you you've driven it for a day, it's already depreciated. So there's already been a change in how that offer is being looked at and being, Kind of watched by not just you and not just the school, but by guys around you. Maybe got other guys competing for those same offers. So there's so many moving parts to this whole thing. You you couldn't possibly if you if you really feel that strongly about a guy like Connerly, for instance. And I I agree with Scott. I, I totally think that they do. Um, you have to keep you know looking at him as your number one guy, and it's it's like J T. Tumalau for the for the previous class. Um, you know, I'm not jumping ahead on that stuff, but it's just, there are guys that are certainly heads and tails above the rest of that group. And if you really want to stay in that race and recruit to the very, very end, you have to kind of allow for these recruits to kind of have their process and go through it. And I think that's been actually one of the strong points of, of how Washington recruits, they've never really been a super high pressure, um, program in that regard, especially under Peterson. You know, he really talked so much about fit and those types of things being so important and how that's a two-way street. I know Washington fans may want them to be more high pressure and all that kind of stuff. And I I get that to a certain level, but I also understand that you're, you know, given your scenario and the way you just described it, you you would have to hold off uh, to, to, to at least one of those guys, if not more.
0: Scott we haven't had a chance you know on the podcast to talk about the commitment of Parker Brailsford but uh kind of an under the radar guy uh, not the biggest guy out there but uh impressive film and a lot of comparisons to Nick Harris he's projected at center but um you know with both of you know tell me a little bit about Parker Brailsford what what were your thoughts on his film and what you've heard
1: uh, well, what I liked about him was just his ability to pull as, as a center, which you don't see very often, and and um, also just the way he handled the line. He said one of the things that he really liked about playing center was that he has control of things. He's the one who's telling the other guys where to go and – And, you know, shifting the protections and different things like that. And, and, um, he, he really enjoyed it. And, you know, he plays at Saguaro, which is the, I I guess we could say arguably the top two or three best programs in the state of Arizona. It's, it's along the lines of a modern day, um, you know, out of California for, for the state of Arizona. They, they produce a ton of talent. Washington has done really, really well there. They got Byron Murphy out of there. They got—I'm um, totally drawing a blank on the uh, Jacoby Covington. They got him out of there and now they've got Parker Brailsford. So, uh, Washington's doing really well in that area and, and, and it behooves them to do that because the Phoenix metro area is one of the fastest growing areas in the entire country. There's lots of people moving down there, um, from other states and, and, uh, they, they need to do well in the state of Arizona. Scott Huff is from Arizona. He's, He's recruited that area really well. and well that connected was, down there. Yeah, really well connected down there. And the fact that Scott Huff is not the biggest guy in the world, but he was, uh, what, how many year starter was he at, uh, Boise State? Two years? Was he a two year starter there? I, I um, remember. something like but, that. Yeah, but he, he wasn't the biggest guy in the world. Um, but, um, you know, he, he went and had a very successful career. And I think, Um, with the way Nick Harris played for the University of Washington, Scott Huff has told Parker to go check out his tape, uh, when he was at the University of Washington and also watch some of his film from when he was, has been with Green Bay and, and really give it, get an idea of what they're looking for from their center and why they think that he can be successful. He's just athletic. He's smart and he likes to get after it. He's, and he's another guy like Mark Naboo who's got that. High upside that that really hasn't been tapped into quite yet. Hey, Scott, so, I would, I would somebody's got to try to
0: correct you, by the way, Scott. But Nick Harris is with Cleveland.
1: Well, who did I say? Green Bay. Oh, sorry. I, I meant I meant Cleveland. Sorry. About yeah, that. there you
2: go. Well, one one thing I was going to add to that, Scott, and the one thing that really intrigued me from the very moment that they offered Parker Burlesford, he's an actual center. I mean, he's he's playing high school football at center. When is the last time Washington actually got a kid to come and play center at Washington that was actually a center in high school? I can't remember, to be honest. What, I, I what get was
1: Conagawa? What was, Colin was he? Oh. I know he played guard, but didn't he play center too? Maybe, maybe. But, for instance, Nick
2: Harris, I get the comparisons, and it totally makes sense on why you would want to sell a high school prospect on being the next Nick Harris because there's a lot to look there, and it makes sense. But the thing is, Nick Harris played alongside Luke Wattenberg at left guard at Jay Serra. I mean, that's just, he, he didn't play center in high school. So, and, and, and Nick Harris didn't even play center starting out in college. He was at right guard before moving. You look at a guy, we, we've talked a lot about Miles Morale. Miles Morale was never a center in high school. But yet he was recruited specifically to try and play center at Washington. So I thought that was one of the most intriguing things. Is that here's a kid who's literally played the position on the offensive line that he he's going to be asked to be played at Washington. And you mentioned all the intangibles in terms of being kind of the quarterback of the offensive line and understanding how to communicate and doing all those yeah. things. These are these are things that you're going to see in a player like Parker Brailsford that we've never seen really before in a long time, because he's going to have some built-in things with that Scott Huff's not going to have to teach him. You know, he's not going to have to necessarily show him a lot of uh, a ton of technique type stuff because he's already going to have a lot of the the rudimentary blocking trees type stuff down. He's going to understand a lot of those types of things cuz he's like I said he's literally played the position. I thought that was fascinating.
0: Lots going on usually, you know, I talked earlier about June being kind of a slow month for us. That's not going to be the case with recruits on campus and the number one recruit in the country for this upcoming year, will also be on camp this coming weekend. That and more when we return after a word from our sponsors. You're listening to the guys from Dogman.com on Dogman Radio. Welcome back. It's the guys from dogman.com. I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Scott, big, big, big recruiting weekend. Number one recruit in the country on campus this weekend.
1: Yeah, and a lot of people think big recruiting weekend means there's a bunch of guys on campus. That's not going to be the case. It's just going to be JT in Malau from Eastside Catholic, 2021 top player in the country. Um, Washington is going to be his first official visit. He's going to take... Four more in in what a week and a half or something. like I mean, it's it he's gonna or maybe it's two and a half weeks, whatever it is, he's gonna take four more. So, um, his other visits are gonna be to USC, Alabama. They get the last one, Ohio State and Oregon. And um, yeah, it's it's gonna be a whirlwind month for him. Lots of travel. I gotta feel like he's gonna be as much as he's gonna be showered with love and and shown. Um, so many great things at all these campuses, including Oregon Husky fans. Oregon does have have a lot of neat things to offer kids um, when they're down there. So, um, but you know, after a while, you got to think that it just gets old. So, I think Washington having the first visit is really nice. He doesn't have to fly there; he can just drive across the bridge. Probably gets a gets picked up in a in a nice uh, SUV and and brought over for a for a uh, for the visit and. You know, the fact that Washington gets that first visit, I think is big for them. It's as much as you want to have the last visit, because it's gonna be such a whirlwind for him, I think it helps them a little bit. Um, my guess is his host on campus will will um probably be some of the other um D linemen, probably all of the defensive linemen will be his his guys and I know that Bob Gregory, I know he, a lot of people, you know, there's this meme out of Husky, Husky Twitter that, that Bob Gregory stinks as a recruiter. Bob Gregory is one of the big reasons why JT2M allow has really Started to look at Washington a little bit harder than he was. So, um, you know, J- JT really thinks Bob Gregory knows his defenses and and can put his and can put him in the right place to um, to have success. And um, I don't think JT is going to end up being that rush end. I think he's eventually going to be like a five or a seven tech in Washington scheme. With Washington going to more three man fronts, odd man fronts. Um, I think Washington's going to, going to have, have a guy like him be able to put his hand on the ground and rush the quarterback. But because of his freakish, freakish athleticism at almost six foot, what is he? Six five, 278 pounds, whatever he is. He's a freak athlete. He can rush the quarterback, but I think he's going to be better as a three tech, five tech, seven tech in Washington scheme if he chooses the University of Washington. A lot
0: of Paul, you know, Polynesians on the, um, you know, the traditional Polynesians on the Washington roster is that important to JT at all? Is I, that a big deal? Or
1: I've asked, I've asked around a, a few people because I mean, honestly, that you know, he's going to tell you, you know, one thing or another or whatever. But um, I've asked around. I've asked people close to him. I've asked, I've asked people very, very close to him, and I've asked people who have who have uh, been been covering him for a long time. And the feeling is that yes, it's, it's got a little bit of importance to him, but more than anything, he's just looking for the right fit and, and it doesn't have to have a big poly community in order to, to, to reel him in. But obviously that's going to help a little bit.
0: Chris, like I said, you know, we started this in 1997. He's as good as we've seen come through this state.
2: Oh yeah. No, I mean, I, I already knew he was a phenomenal player. Um, but it really put a fine point on it for me when they, when Eastside Catholic went down to Arizona and they played, I want to say it was Peoria Centennial in, in one of these kind of postseason bowl game type things. And it was when Sam Adams was still with them and, and those guys. And he just literally mopped the floor with that offensive line. I mean, he couldn't be stopped, he literally couldn't be stopped. I stopped counting at five or six sacks. I just, I mean, it was just. It felt like men versus boys, even though they were exact same age and so you knew you were dealing with something pretty special at that point yeah, uh, yeah no i mean he's he's a he's i wouldn't say he's once in a generation type talent but he's certainly um once every you know half decade maybe in 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 terms of You know, we see these guys pop up every once in a while. Whether and it it doesn't have to be a defensive lineman or outside linebacker, for instance. You know, you've seen it with a Reggie Williams or a Jake Locker or a Buddha Baker. You know, you just you you see these guys pop up, and you just instantly know. Not only are they freak athletes, but they're just phenomenal football players. It's in their blood; they just get it.
0: Yep. Hey, Chris. One of the things that I you know we really haven't talked very much about when it comes to JT. You know, recruiting has changed so much, especially in this day of social media, you know, where every time there's an offer, you know, a kid's got to put it out on Twitter and Instagram and they have edits and highlight videos and, you know, just a lot of hype and building a brand. But uh, I'm just really impressed with the way that JT has actually handled, you know, his recruitment for as high profile guy he is they seem to really have a handle on it and controlling the message on that in a way that they want to without being very public about it.
2: No question. I mean, he he really, if any prospect and their family wanted to follow a blueprint, they should follow what JT and his family have done. And, and I'll give credit to Tracy Ford at Ford Sports. I think they got uh, on him early in terms of understanding how good he was going to be and how they knew the whirlwind of, of the recruiting process was going to hit them pretty hard early on. I remember talking to JT and his family um when he was a ninth grader when they were doing like a, a Ford Sports Media Day and um you know just coming how how well spoken he came across um just really wise beyond his years. And I think part of that is because he was groomed to to kind of understand that this was coming and that he needed to be prepared for it and understood you know, what the gravity of all this stuff was going to be and that he was going to attract a ton of attention, national attention. So I think all these things, you know, came on him, but he was prepared. Him and his family were prepared to deal with it because they lined themselves up with some good people that have been through it before and understood it and have kind of helped work him through. And I think also the other thing, That's really helped in their recruitment is that they connected um, very early on with Brandon Huffman and he's become, you know, I, I wouldn't say kind of an unofficial spokesman, but he's been the guy that has really gotten the word about where they are at whatever point in the process through the media and to have kind of a point man. Um, doing that there, and we're fortunate that Brandon works for 24/7 Sports, and it's a testament to his reputation and just how people and families feel about Brandon and the trust that he um, engenders from fans, uh, from from players and families and prospects. Um, it just shows, and and to have those things kind of all fall in line, and and to be such a high profile guy, and, and and to be able to kind of do this on his pace and to be able to kind of hit tell his story the way he wants to without all these leaks coming out with all this and that and the other thing and all the drama that usually would come uh with being a number one guy nationally uh it's really is a testament to just uh how they've de- how they've gone through the process but also how I think they kind of created a plan for it really early on and have been able to stick to it
0: scott um Several months ago. I mean, you were pretty adamant, and you always make me crazy when you use definitives, and you, you always said J.T. is not coming to Washington. Says the think- guy
1: who says definitive things himself, but okay. Yeah, yeah, a lot.
0: <laughs> but I'm always right, but anyways, oh, okay. <laughs> Um What's changed? Um, I know it's not just Bob Gregory. Uh, what's changed? Yeah,
1: yeah, because they did like – uh, Pete Kwiatkowski. So, uh, you know, I don't want to put this on where people think that Pete Kwiatkowski was a detriment to Washington's recruiting of him. But, um, you know, I think as the process has gone along, mom has always, from what I've been made aware of, mom has always been on the side of him staying close to home. And if we know anything about the Polynesian community, it's that mom usually gets her way when it comes to recruiting. Um, where their kids are getting their kids are always. Uh, I mean, it's one of the reasons Danny Shelton wound up with the Huskies. He wanted to be a duck. His mom said, no, you're not. <laughs> uh, Nate Kaleppo, one of the reasons why uh, he's a Husky is because his mom said, you're not going to Oregon. Uh, Kimberly, rest in peace. Uh, great lady, and she just said, "No, this is the best move for you is here at the University of Washington," and and I think Nate would agree with that. Now, I think Danny Shelton would agree with what his mom told him too. So, and even even Miles' mom, yeah, Miles. What Miles' mom mom said, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And but I mean, Miles isn't Polly, but yeah, you're going to
0: Washington. Get over it. yeah,
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so you know, I think the more Time that has gone on, mom has been able to really get in his ear a little bit more and, and is really, you know, the, the, his parents, one of the beautiful things that I've seen with them is they will be advisors for him, but they do not tell him where he needs to go. But I think when it comes down to it, uh, the fact that my family is all here, he has so many friends in this area. Um, so many recruits that, that know him, that play at the University of Washington, being a part of Ford Sports. He's, he's been a part, yeah. I mean, he and Sam, uh, Sam, uh, I almost said Sam Adams, Sam Heward, uh, were really good friends. Sam Adams and him were good, good friends. You know, he's got so much, much family and friends here. Um, it, the education level, I think, is, is where they'd like it to be. I think the fact that Washington has produced a lot of uh, defensive talent over the past few years, I think the fact that you could be a hometown hero. If he goes to Alabama or Ohio State, he's one of, I don't know, I, I took a rough guess, 20 to 25 five-star guys that are going to be on their campus at one time, right? And he's going to be that guy. He, here at the University of Washington, there's only two five-stars that I could think of. And that's Sam Heward and Sabelle Smalls. And so he really needs to to think about do I want to do this in front of my home town fans where I can still become eligible for um you know the NFL you know, where the NFL is is not a far off cry going to the University of Washington, or am I gonna go somewhere else where I don't know as many people? And I think that's where it's gonna come down to.
0: Yeah, I think it's also real important to, you know, to point out that when you take a look at the other schools that he's looking at, you know, Oregon is in Eugene, Ohio State is in Columbus, uh, Alabama and Tuscaloosa, USC's in LA, but when, you know, you take a look at what Will Conroy keeps on putting out on Twitter, don't turn your back on your city, put it on your back. And when you have a name that's as distinctive as JT's, you know and you go to school at the University of Washington and you take a look at all of the companies here Amazon Google Facebook Costco the list goes on and on and on that's not only going to open doors for him you know over the next 40 years after football But I think, you know, that's going to also open a door and and not in an illegal way, but, you know, the family could benefit from that name as well for many years down the line, uh, you know, in the city of Seattle. And I think that's going to be a big part of the sales pitch uh, from Washington is that, you know, that Chris Peterson always, uh, you know, uh, preached was, you know, pro football is plan B, plan A. And I think the plan A at Washington is distinctively different than the other schools he's looking at. Um Maybe USC would be close, but you know, that hometown thing uh is a huge deal.
2: One thing I would also say real quick in this discussion, um, you know, I think we're kind of assuming that JT is going to kind of fit into that, that buck style hybrid player that, that they've used over the years that, that obviously guys like ZTF are playing right now and, and guys like Joe Tron have played in the past. Um, I am kind of curious as to whether or not if he gets a little bit bigger, now all of a sudden they might have him put his hand on the ground, and now he's in the process of having to kind of start to develop a relationship with a guy like Rip Rowan, and I wonder how much that might play into what's going on because we have kind of talked about the Bob Gregory angle a little bit, and that's a, a little bit of a newer twist on things. I'm wondering how much Rip Rowan's influence and – and kind of watching them develop, guys like the true freshman, for instance. How much will the development curve of a guy like Voy Tunufi or Quape Opa this spring? How much will that be something that JT is looking at and going, okay, you know, I don't know how much bigger, faster, stronger I'm going to get. I don't know what nature has in store for me per se, but if I end up being 300 pounds and I play along the defensive line. Now all of a sudden, I'm not really going to get coached by a guy like a Kai Kamaloy. I'm going to get coached by Rip Rowan.
0: What's interesting also is I'm interested to see if he wind, if, if in fact he does wind up at Washington, and we just don't know, is he somebody that we could see, you know, in certain situations getting some reps at tight end on the offensive side of the ball, you know, because a lot I, of I animals,
1: absolutely could see it.
0: Yeah, a lot of analysts think he's just as good a tight end as a defensive player. And then, you know, people asking about the basketball angle on that, you know, from those I've talked to on the basketball angle, I know that basketball coaches have reached out to him and tried to talk to him about basketball. And it just sounds like that's, you know, not really a part of the conversation. You know, that might be part of the conversation after he chooses a school. But I don't think basketball is part of his decision making process at all. If uh, he wants to play basketball at some point, I think that would be something he would look at once he is on campus at the school he chooses from. But um from my understanding, uh basketball coaches, you know, from all five schools, it sounds like those conversations just haven't really happened. You know, that they've let them know that, you know, that's an option. But um it doesn't sound like that's an important part of the equation at all for those that are asking. But, um, Scott, who's next? Who's next to pop?
1: Um, well, you know, I if you're talking about guys who are close, I think it's going to be – I mean, we can kind of combine because uh, we were just talking about official visits. I think the four guys who are going to be here at the end of the month, Ryan Otten, the tight end from Tumwater, um, uh, Ben Roberts, the defensive tackle from uh, Utah, that Washington, from East High School, where Washington has seemingly gotten tons of guys from. Um, you, you also have a Mecca Megwa out of Timber Creek, a running back prospect out of there. And then Tevarua Tefidi, a linebacker prospect from Punahou High School out in Hawaii. Those are the top guy, top four guys on their board at all those different positions. Although a Mecca Megwa and, and, uh, Javinsky Schlenbaker, I think are, are guys who, uh, they're, they're kind of even. They're, they're different kinds of runners, but those guys are ones that I think Washington would take commitments from right now. And, um, they're all going to be on campus that last weekend of the month. And I could see any one of those guys. Ryan Otten would be the one that I would probably choose or Ben Roberts. Those are the two that I think are very close to committing to the University of Washington. Megwa. Tefiti. I know they want to make decisions sometime at some point in July before their senior season, but, uh, you know, that might take a little bit longer. Five commits on the board right now. What number are we working with Scott for total? Still at 17. Um, I haven't heard anything that's changed my mind. I've talked to people behind the scenes. I've talked to, um, you know, about, uh, attrition and all that different stuff. They said, unless, Some weird attrition happens. They, they've already programmed in about, you know, three or four spots that are going to open up because of attrition. And if those happen, that's when you're getting to 17. If those don't happen, which right now, I don't know if anybody's going to be transferring, um, until after the season. And, and that's really what you're worried about is guys transferring after the season. But at this point, you know, four guys, um, that of attrition plus, the, the guys who they expect to leave and possibly leave early or guys who, um, will, will, ex, you know, expend all of their, their, uh, their eligibility, uh, after this year. It's still looking like 17. They could get up to 20 at some point, depending on guys declaring or being injured or anything like that. But at this point, the number that they're working with is 17.
0: I don't know if either one of you know the answer to this, but with the LEAP program and early enrollment, is that going to happen this year? And do you know when it is? Yes, yep. it is.
1: It, yep. yep. In fact, the, promo- the LEAP
2: Twitter account it was just yeah. tweeting out this morning. They're 18 days away. So yep. if you take that and you add it up, it sounds like they're going to start on June 20th. So we're well, expecting all, all, Or 21st.
1: It, all the kids that are on campus have to be uh, vaccinated. So there's no reason not to have them on campus.
0: Okay. And then um, we're expecting all... Everybody to be here on, on time for the LEAP program? Anybody not going to come in that you're aware of?
2: Uh, not from football. Yeah, I was going to say there's nine guys. Um, you've got C. Uh, L. C. Finow, You've got Maurice Himes, Will Latu, Dyson McCutcheon, Vincent Nunley, Owen Prentice, Zachari Spears, Jabez Tanay, Jabez Tanay, and Robert Worsh. And then Giles
1: Jackson, but he'll he he pro, he'll be in for the leap, but I don't think he's going to be doing leap. I think he's just going to be taking classes.
0: Okay. All right. Um, just a quick update on basketball as well. It's not only football guys that can be on campus, but uh, basketball guys uh, can also take recruiting visits. And, you know, word is, you know, we're hearing that Washington is trying to get a couple of guys on campus this month. Uh, probably the most important and the most high profile is the number one point guard in the country, Dior Johnson. He's out of Centennial Corona, number one point guard in the country, number five uh, national prospect overall in the country. He's a 6'3", 180-pound point guard. Um, so that'll be interesting to follow that to see if they actually get him on campus. And the other guy that uh, we're kind of expecting to arrive on uh, for a visit, we'll see if that happens, is uh, Ramel Lloyd, I think his dad played at Syracuse. I'm, I'm probably screwing that up, but R- R- Ramel Lloyd Jr., he's 6'6, 6, 190 pounds. He's a 66 rated player in the country, 190 pounds, and, uh, he's a, a small forward. So, uh, look for the possibility of those two, and possibly as well as the one of the guys that they have committed in Tyler Linhart out of Kings High School. He's 6'7, 210 pounds. He's committed to University of Washington, a kid that I really like. Lots of comparisons to Corey Kispert and uh I think he's a little bit more rough and tumble than Corey. And if you talk about somebody who's a little bit more rough and tumble than Corey, you've got uh you've got yourself a good player. So uh I'm really excited about Tyler Lindhart. So we'll see what happens towards the end of the month on basketball official visits. So uh still waiting to um Get the official announcement from University of Washington on PJ Fuller. Everything I understand he's 100% fully committed they're waiting to get the transcripts from TCU don't anticipate any of those problems but uh, once they get those transcripts and he can go ahead and sign his scholarship paper so hopefully that'll get taken care of in the next couple of days again uh you know with uh, TCU uh being a private school nothing really to be concerned about on those transcripts but uh I think it's part of the process that they have to have before he can actually sign the letter uh, they don't remember Remember the guy that uh, showed up? Dick Baird was talking about the JC guy who showed up with his transcripts done in paper, done in pencil. Remember that guy?
2: <laughs> if a JC kid? It wouldn't surprise me. Back in the day, nah.
0: yeah. I, I think it was Frank Murphy. Remember that guy? No. Yeah, the running back went to Kansas State. Had the tattoo above his ear that said "Born to Be a Thug." Remember that guy? No. <laughs> so, anyways, but uh, yeah. Uh, final thoughts, Chris Fedders. Anything else we didn't cover?
2: No, I just think that, um, you know, because of the pandemic, I think you, you could just tell that the, these staffs are like caged lions now that the shackles have kind of come off in, in terms of them being able to host recruits and have visits and do camps and those types of things. I don't know if any of the Washington fans got a chance to see, uh, what Mike Norvell did at Florida State. They had a, what they called a midnight madness, which is usually like a basketball thing in the fall, but they had a midnight madness where literally. 12.01 a.m. on June 1st they opened their doors to recruits and they had guys just spilling through the doors and at midnight which was crazy but uh I think that just goes to show how you I think fans should anticipate this is going to be a a bit of a roller coaster ride in June July which usually it would be just a camp thing and you'd get to know some of the younger guys and and you'd be kind of You'd be recruiting for the future, whereas really at this point you're really recruiting for the now. And and um, there's a lot of guys that they're looking at, and they're going to be looking at hardcore in these camps, and not just the camps on campus, but these satellite camps as well that they're going to be going to a, a few of them in in, in California, for instance. So I, I think right now it's it's all all hands on deck in terms of recruiting for Washington, and they're going to be um, they're going to be really after it because they've been. I think they've been kind of prepping the ground behind the scenes as much as they can. But now that they can actually, you know, get their hands on a lot of these guys and, and show them around and, and really see them kind of work a little bit, this is where, um, a lot of this stuff is going to come to a head and their evaluations are either going to be confirmed or they're going to have to take another look at some guys. So really challenging time, really interesting time. And there's, there's certainly going to be a lot of news coming around the bend, I think, in these next 30 to
0: 60 days. Yeah, final thoughts, Scott, and also if you could touch bases on camps coming up.
1: Yeah, um I, I actually had a list going and I can't find it anywhere. Um so um but I'm just gonna tell people that Washington is gonna hit a camp at Sacramento State. Um I think that's on the like 16th or something like I'm sorry guys I don't remember it off the top of my head and I can't find my list Um, but um, Washington is going to be at that with uh, several other programs I know there's one down in Texas that will have 65 um, programs at it and (laughs) and that's going to be a huge one Um, and I'm pretty sure Washington will be at that one I'm I'm almost 100% sure they will be at the Utah State camp as well um and then there's one more i think it's down at like um i want to say there's an Arizona camp and there's one down in southern california that they'll be at as well so lots of lots of camps that the coaches are going to be at then washington hosts the dirt dogs camp and the rising stars camp on the twenty, what is it? The twenty eighth of uh, of this month, and they'll they'll have the Dirt Dog Camp in the morning, Rising Stars in the evening, and that's also the big weekend when they have the four, um, the four uh, big visitors that they're that they've scheduled. So, um, just that's kind of wrapping things up for this month it's going to be busy 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 there's a lot of camps for these kids spring football goes on for the for the washington kids as well they're they're going to have their spring they call them spring football practices i think they're starting here at any time and then um and then you know you take the month of july off and then guess what it's fall camp time so it it just it never stops and it's and I'm so excited that we're back into more of a regular routine because last year just sucked. I was bored.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, I- hey, so- Kim, is there a
2: tornado going off in your room?
1: Yeah. What's going on, dude?
2: No, it's just a fan.
1: It just all it's picked back. up. It just all of a sudden reason. went
2: nuts. Like you're yeah. you went just like gale like force winds.
0: No. No. I uh, yeah. Hang on a sec.
1: Oh, are you gonna turn it off now? Okay.
0: Is that better? This is the best time. This is the best part
2: of the of, of the yeah. podcast.
1: People have been looking forward to this.
2: I
0: asked you guys before we started.
2: So
1: yes, you did, and it was so, fine.
2: It was interesting. Yeah, like I said, it it was fine until literally like a minute ago, and then it just went haywire.
0: Yeah, I turned the mute button on while you guys were talking, and then I turned it back on, so maybe that had something to do with it. Uh, maybe. Anyways, okay. um, all right. Just uh, keep it tuned here at Dogman.com. It's just you know it's going to be a busy recruiting month, and then. First week of August, we're not that far away from fall camp starting, about a month and a half. Um, It's further than – yeah, about a month and a half, Uh, and then we start fall camp, so it's not that far off. But we'll keep you all up to date here at dogman.com. If you're looking for those uh, regular updates, not daily so much right now because not as much going on, regular updates as well as breaking news alerts, shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com. Subject line newsletter, we will get you hooked up. So for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Greenolds along with Chris Fetters, Scott Eklund, Go Dogs. <laughs>